God speaks to us in his word in Mark 7, 1 through 23. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Claire. Good morning. That was worse than 9 a.m. Uh, let's try it again. Good morning. Good morning. All right. All right. We're awake. Good deal. Hey, if you do not know me, uh, my name is Pat Robinson, and I am one of the pastors here. And you might not, since it's been eight months since I actually uh, was able to preach. Every time I was scheduled, something happened. Uh, and so... Uh, that's just how it's worked out, uh, but uh, today I do get to stand before you and preach, and uh, I'm thankful for that, and thankful that uh, Ben has time with his family uh, this weekend in Kansas City, and I know he's enjoyed a couple of baseball games while he was there, so that's all good, uh, and uh, he needs that every now and then. Uh, to get away and be with family. So uh, we are uh, 
uh, just thankful and uh, really this week is one of the funnest weeks that we get to kick off as a church with our intern program. It's one of the things that we put a lot of energy into and that we truly love uh, to do is to pour in uh, to uh, young people who have a heart for God and, and are willing to lay down their lives for God. And, and so uh, as we began the, the journey with them for the next nine months, it's really one of the uh, really good things that we get to pour into. And so uh, just pray, continue to pray over them over the, the next nine months. And then as they, uh, and then you will see them around as they will be serving here in different capacities and just encourage them uh, as you see them. And uh, one more thing before we jump in. We, uh, every week uh, as we've been going through this, uh, and going through the book of Mark, uh, it's been uh, a really interesting uh, to see uh, all of the ways that Scripture points to Jesus. And uh, if you're not in one of our community groups, uh, you're missing out in a huge part of this study and this journey through Mark because Blake, who was leading worship this morning, and the team that, that build our study guides do a tremendous job in expanding on uh, what we preach from the pulpit and tying it uh, to all all scripture, and so they are really good uh, to go through, and uh, matter of fact, he's already finished this week, so it's out there and ready for community group leaders, and as we've been walking through Mark, uh, which uh, just seeing the life and ministry of Jesus, uh, up to this point, uh, we, we've seen Jesus uh, last week following the death of John the Baptist, uh, who was his cousin, and also the prophet that pointed the way, went to prepare the way for Jesus. Uh, uh, he was uh, killed and beheaded last, as we walked through the story last week. And yet we see Jesus continue to do ministry, uh, continue to feed the multitudes, and continue to heal and to continue uh, all ministry, and we even saw him walk on water last week. And so a typical week of ministry, right? Healing, feeding the multitude. Oh, it is if you're Jesus. Uh, not for the rest of us, but uh, for Jesus, that's a temp typical day of ministry. And so um, uh, that was last week. And this week, uh, we're going to be looking at the encounter uh, that Jesus has with the Pharisees and the scribes sent from Jerusalem, which would be the theology hitman of the day, uh, to come uh, correct you uh, on every little thing you did long, wrong. Uh, and we see him con uh, confront them over their traditions, but the confrontation isn't really over their tradition. It's over the condition of their heart. And so, the reality is, as we walk through this today, we all have the same struggles as the Pharisees. We have messed up hearts. 
And as we dive into that today, uh, uh, it's a really good teaching. Some of it's really hard teaching today uh, because uh, we do, because of the condition of our hearts. So let's pray together. I'll pray for you, you pray for me, and then we'll dive into this story. Uh, Lord, we do thank you uh, for the gift of your word, for the gift of Jesus, the gift of your spirit. Uh, And Lord, we we are uh, just blessed that we can gather this morning uh, to, to walk through your word together, and we can grow in doing so, and Lord... We pray for our own hearts uh, um, that, uh, that Lord, you, you would uh, just prepare them, uh, you would anoint them and soften them, that we can receive your words and, uh, and that uh, we can have hearts made new or we can have our hearts renewed this morning, uh, Lord, uh, We're just thankful that because of you, we can have new hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read the first part of that scripture again before we dive into it. Uh, So, And it is quite a lengthy reading, so bear with me for a minute as I do that. And then we'll, we'll jump into the word. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do, they, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your mother and your father, your father and your mother, And whoever reviles the father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you want, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, it is given to God, then you would no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus making void the word of God by, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. Now, most of us are probably not really familiar with a lot of these traditions, so to help us understand that, 
uh, we need to have a better understanding of these traditions and how they evolved. Uh, and the, the tradition of ceremonial washing uh, comes from the original commands to Aaron and his sons to wash before entering the temple, before they made sacrifices, or before they, before they come before the altar. So uh, it comes from a place of that was a command, that was ritual washing. And over the years, and that comes from Exodus 30 and Exodus 40. Uh, and though it was only a priestly requirement, and, and that's important to know. This was only a requirement for the priests. And over the years, most prominent Jews began doing that. And, and about 200 years prior to Jesus is when this tradition really began to evolve. So by Jesus' time, it was uh, entrenched in Hebrew life, in Jewish life, where everyone growing up would have grown up in this, this tradition. And if they wanted to be clean, uh, according to the, the Pharisees and, and the scribes, they had, to withhold, they had to hold to these traditions and ceremonial washing. And those oral traditions had been prashed, uh, passed down from generation to generation and finally were compiled into a group of writings uh, around uh, the second century A.D. called the Mishnah. And uh, interesting thing about the Mishnah, it had 186 pages on cleanliness alone, once they were all written down. 186 pages of laws on how to wash your hands and how to clean pots. I told the 9 a.m. service, uh, and we thought CDC guidelines were confusing. Can you, can you imagine 186 pages on how to do cleanliness? 35 pages just on pots and pans and, uh, and the vessels that were used for cooking and serving food. 35 pages. And we, uh, on Saturdays, uh, we use every pan and bowl in the kitchen. Uh, my wife is, cooks for therapy. And so we bake every cookie, bread, cinnamon roll, known to man on Saturday. And then so a lot of times, I'm not sure how I got designated as a dishwasher, but it's happened. And so, but I'm thinking... If I had 35 pages of guidelines to follow, there would be marital problems. I'm just saying, I don't think I could do that. And so, and we can, we can kind of laugh at that and all, but it uh, helps us see how ridiculous this evolved to over the years. And it was meant, it started out as, as all good intention and, and as a good thing. They were, they called it a fence, these traditions, a fence around the law. And they built this fence to help people, to help people keep from violating the law 
And then, as Jesus just pointed out, they made traditions that forced them to break the law because they held the traditions higher than God's law. And a uh, matter of fact, the fifth command of the, of the Ten Commandments, uh, the way they wrote their traditions, forced them to break the fifth commandment in honoring their father and their mother. And so... Uh, and uh, this confrontation, uh, while Jesus is confronting them over their traditions and not their law, and, and we don't want to confuse that. It's, they're not, he's not confronting them over the Old Testament. This is all tradition because Jesus honored and obeyed the law. We seem, even in this story, quote Isaiah from the Septuagint, which is a Greek version of the Old Testament. In Matthew 5.18, he states himself, Jesus said, not one iota or dot will pass from the law until it's all accomplished. So Jesus honored and cared for the law. And we often see Jesus respond with Scripture. From the beginning of, the, of when he uh, started doing ministry, when he was led to the desert to be tempted by Satan, how did he respond? With Scripture. And a lot of these encounters with the Pharisee, he responds with Scripture. In this case, he responds with Scripture. So it is good for us to know and have God's Word in our heart and on our mind. And so when we're in those encounters, we can do the same thing. It is good to know God's Word. But it also seems like in this case, Jesus came out swinging. I mean, he immediately goes, well, Isaiah talks about you guys and y'all are a bunch of hypocrites. Um, that argument's probably not going to go well from there. If you're having that argument with anybody. But Jesus really comes out swinging there, which is unusual. We just watched Jesus uh, as he cared for those who afflicted, as he cared for those who were hungry. And we've seen Jesus interact, those even who were caught in sin. Whether it's the Samaritan woman in John 4, or uh, the woman caught in adultery, in John 8, Jesus had compassion and abundance of grace for them, but has little patience for the Pharisees and the scribes. And, uh, and there was good reason for that. I mean, Jesus did not care for their traditions because they placed the burdens on men uh, that they themselves couldn't keep. And were not lawful. Those burdens were not lawful. And even though this confrontation begins around uh, tradition, that's not the true problem. The true problem is their heart. And he addresses that in the second half of the chapter. Continue reading with me. Beginning in verse 14. 
And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciple asked him about this parable. No, it wasn't a parable. Uh, and like I said, we don't truly understand these traditions because we don't live in them. But this was obviously confusing to his disciples, what he's saying, because they grew up in these traditions. And he said to them, beginning, picking up in 18 again, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into to a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, and all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Jesus cuts right to the heart of the matter while the, the Pharisees were address, addressing symptoms with all of their traditions. They were uh, addressing the symptoms that were around him, around them while just ignoring the condition of their heart. If I address all of these symptoms, I won't have to look at my own heart. And I'll tell you, this was kind of a rough week this week uh, preparing all of this because I was having to look into my own heart as I was studying for this. And, and I didn't like what I saw a lot of times. And while the Pharisees ignored the condition of their own heart, guess what? We're no different. We do the same. Our hearts are messed up. We don't like to admit it. We even act like they do. <laughs> we try to do all these external things to try to fix ourselves. It didn't work for them. And it doesn't work for us. As a matter of fact, Jesus even told them that they were whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, but dead inside. In Matthew 23, 27, and 28. And once again, that's something that doesn't translate very good to us. For us, it's more like if he would have called them zombies, we would have got it. They're dead inside. It doesn't matter 
and they're zombies and they're trying to clean up the outside. I know you've all seen zombie movies. That doesn't work very well. They're still dead inside. And when we do that, we all have the same problem. We might look great on the outside, but our hearts are sick and deceitful. And yes, it's, it's hard to say that. I mean, it's hard to say that about my own heart, but it's true. And the prophet Jeremiah stated it this way in chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And Paul writes in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all have the same condition. And if all, if all of our hearts are sick and deceitful, what do we do? How do we fix them? And the answer is we can't fix them. We need a new heart. So how do we get a new heart? Only God can give us a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to, to obey my rules. The only way that we can get a new heart is through Jesus. And our hearts are made new through his blood. Ephesians 1 says, tells us that we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 2 tells us that by grace, through faith, we've been saved, and it's not of our doing, but it's a free gift so that we won't boast. It is a free gift. There's nothing we can do for our own heart. Mark 10, 45 tells us that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. The cost of that gift of grace for us was blood. Specifically, Jesus was blood. And even that sometimes doesn't resonate with us in our culture, but in their culture, it really resonated. Because they were used to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. They were used to that happening every year. Once a year, the priest went in and made sacrifices, and it was a big deal. 
uh, the priests would be isolated one week before the Day of Atonement in the temple. He would have contact with no one to ensure that he couldn't be defiled. His food was prepared for him by other clean food, using clean pots and vessels that were cleaned according to their tradition to ensure that he did not become defiled. He would spend all week praying, reading the scripture, and then finally, the night before the Day of Atonement, he would stay up all night praying before he would go in and make the sacrifices. And on the Day of Atonement, he would wash head to toe, put on a clean white robe, enter and make a sacrifice for himself, come out and repeat that process. Wash again, another clean spotless robe, go in and sacrifice for the priest. Come out, wash, spotless robe, go in and sacrifice for the people. So they were used to blood and blood being spilled as the price for atonement. The interesting thing is how that parallel then points to Jesus. When did Jesus enter Jerusalem? A week before his resurrection. We're familiar with it. We call it Palm Sunday. In Holy Week, the week of, Jesus spent in the temple teaching. And then the night before he is crucified, he spent in the Garden of Gethsemane praying all night. You see, while they made sacrifices every year, Jesus made the final sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. His blood was poured out for us to have a new heart and a new spirit put within us. And John recorded it at the scene of the crucifixion in John 19.34. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And that was the Roman soldier's tradition. If they did not break their legs, they would shove a spear up under the ribcage and pierce the heart. And that's what they did. And Jesus' blood is spilled so that we can have a new heart and a new spirit. R. Kent Hughes wraps up this section of scripture in his commentary on Mark with these words and 
It's better than I could ever wrap it up. The gospel is constantly radical. A new birth, a new heart, a new creation, a resurrection. Apart from Christ, the world is desperately lost. It can only be redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus. There is no other way. We can polish the outside. We can educate ourselves. We can do good things. But none of these things really change us. We need Christ's life. And that's true. We can't change us. Only our surrender and laying down our hearts at the feet of the cross and the feet of Jesus so that blood can run over them is the only thing that cleanses them.